Neurobiologics proudly presents Season 2 of Coffee with Dr. Stewart. This show will provide our listeners with up-to-date medical information from a leading neurotologist and neuromean specialist. With Dr. Stewart's broad medical knowledge, we will discuss how he helps his patients with issues such as ADD, migraines, hormones, sleep, fatigue, methylation, autism, genetic mutations, and nutritional protocols. I am your host, Kara Stewart-Mullins, and I invite you to sit back, grab your favorite beverage or cup of coffee, and let's have Coffee with Dr. Stewart. Well, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Coffee with Dr. Stewart. I'm your host, Kara Stewart-Mullins. I am here with Dr. Kendall Stewart, the star of the show, I like to say. Hey, Dr. Stewart. How are you today? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. How's your weekend going so far? It's okay. Yeah. Oh, that sounds so exciting. Well, you know. (laughs) Poor kids. Back to school. Yeah. Busy, busy, busy. Me too. Poor kids running everywhere. (laughs) Well, I'm going to go ahead and cut to the chase today because we have a lot to talk about. Okay. Now, when I gave Dr. Stewart this topic, we're going to talk about the gut-brain connection. It is a topic that a lot of medical shows, a lot of articles out there are written about. But Dr. Stewart does this day in and day out in his practice. He has severe cases all the way from the autism spectrum, you know, all the way um, up to just, you know, the average individual that's just having some stomach problems. But it's interesting that a lot of stomach problems come with a lot of neurological issues or maybe emotional issues. Yeah, Um what you got to remember is that when you deal with the biochemical or biomedical aspects of what we see in patients who get into trouble is that God actually uses a whole lot of different nutrients for different sources. Okay. So always remember that the nervous system and the immune system are tied, and that's why we talk about neuroimmune syndromes. And so the gut, uh, in its uniqueness, um, one, it tends to function on its own without the help of the body, meaning it's an autonomic type of process. Yeah, I mean, it was f- interesting to find the fact that the gut is the only organ system that can perform its functions without the oversight of the brain. Yeah, and so just imagine that, uh, guess what, um, when I fall asleep or let's say I get to put in a coma, I still have to have nutrition, so the gut has an ability to work on its own. And your bodily functions still happen. Right, correct. All right, well, so, let me let me give one quick fact because I wanted to start the show off with that. <laughs> right. and we jumped right into it. Sure. So research uh, researchers are finding evidence that irritation in the gastrointestinal system which we're just going to call the gut today to make it easier, may send signals to the central nervous system, which you are an expert in, um, that trigger mood changes, anxiety, depression, and affect the brain, and it may hold the key to better brain health. Well, you know, what I would say to that is no duh. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Meaning who feels good with a bad bowel function? Okay. You know, whether you're talking about inflammation or not. Now, inflammation anywhere can send signals to the brain to cause other alterations. So it's not like it's a specialized type of process. Now, the biggest issue we have is that actually we have a big immunological presence around the gut. Because if you think about it, where is the most likely place for contamination of the body with microbial and infectious organisms? The gut. Right. So the gut would make sense. They love to live in there, correct? Good or bad. They have to live in there anyway, good or bad. But also we're swallowing foods. We're creating a funny environment. We have to get nutrition out of this microbial rich environment so our immune system actually surrounds the gut and about 70 percent of our immune system tends to surround the gut to protect our body yeah i always find that interesting when you mention that at lectures and workshops well you know the whole idea is that it makes perfect sense when you think about it where's the most likely contamination going to come from it's not going to be a scratch on your skin it's going to be in your bowel yeah 
And you so, say it's huge. Well, sure, it's huge. And so the bow, you know, stretches out. If you stretch it out, I've heard many figures, but the one I like the most is that basically if you stretch it all out, it's going to cover the size of a tennis court. Yeah, and I like the fact, so Dr. Stewart, you know, he is an uh, autism specialist along with many other things, but, you know, I've, I've worked in your clinic many years ago, and these kids, that could, they were nonverbal that you knew their stomach hurt them. They're pushing up against, you know, hard objects to try and get some relief and stuff. And when you start to treat them and you start working on them, it's amazing how they blossom, like neurologically and personality-wise. How is that Well, the biggest problem is that everybody, let's say a gut researcher likes to tell you the gut affects everything. A brain researcher likes to tell you the brain affects everything. When you talk about it um, from a biochemical, biomedical aspect, simple genetic alterations, biochemical inefficiencies affect a lot of things, okay. including the, the gut and the brain. So the gut works on neurotransmitters, immune function, and basically um, that's gene it. gene expression. Correct. And so the brain works on the same concept, meaning the brain has to have neurotransmitters and has to work properly and Problems with immunological weakness can cause viruses and other things to affect the way the nervous system sends. So basically, to me, instead of saying one affects the other, the other affects the other, it's just a situation where the body doesn't feel well. They both get affected equally. Okay. Well, I do have to ask you this question because it's in a lot of the literature out there. So they say, and you're a nervous system specialist, too, there are actually two nervous systems. We have the central nervous system and then one they call the enteric nervous system Mm -hmm. or the ENS, which is in the bowel. Right. Okay, what is that? I'd, I had yes. never heard of that before. Well, that's just basically saying that you have a, a system with built into the bowel that actually can work in isolation from the brain. Oh. So it just means that there's a group of nerves that work automatically without the brain's need to direct them. Okay, see, so you learn something new every very, day. You know, very simple stuff, but basically, you know. Not really simple. Well. <laughs> to you, maybe. <laughs> So the thing is, is that both of those nervous systems, whether you want to talk about them separately, they both work on neurotransmitters. And the primary neurotransmitters are dopamine and serotonin. Now, yeah, they say 70% of serotonin is in your bowel. Yeah. And serotonin is, is part of our happiness. Right. Now, serotonin is needed. It's not about amounts, specific places. It's where is it needed and what does it do? Okay. okay? So basically, the serotonin in the brain is just as important as the serotonin in the bowel. It's just that there's more quantity needed in the bowel. So don't think about it as a quantity thing. Think about it as a balance thing. We have to have balance of serotonin and dopamine. Okay, so when you're looking at these kids or you're looking at adults that are having these issues with IBS, functional bowel problems like it's constipation, diarrhea, bloating, pain, stomach upset, where do you start? So as you back up, if you back up as biochemistry, you look at what helps all of those systems. Well, methylation, which is methyl tetrahydrofolate, is used in the production of uh, serotonin, dopamine, dopamine, Immune health, you see where I'm going. Yeah. And so instead of thinking about it in isolation, you want to back up and go to the source. So all of these kids have methylation problems. Now, we also now know that these kids have mitochondrial weakness as a general rule, Mm -hmm. or most people have that. Now, we only have recently learned that genetically that there is mild weakness in the mitochondria. So it takes energy and it takes precursors or specific nutrients to make the immune system and the neurotransmitters of the nervous system of both places work proper. Okay, so you have all these people that go, okay, well, you know, he gave me, uh, maybe recommended something for neurotransmitter support. Uh-huh. Well, how's that going to help my bowel? And then I have to take probiotics, and then I have to take this, right. and this, and this, and it gets a little confusing. Right, sure it does. So is the neurotransmitter product, like the full focus or something, is that going to in turn support the bowel? Or Absolutely. 
Okay, yeah, because of the neurotransmitter production and right. dopamine. You're, everybody is trying to make it so complicated. It really is not as complicated as everybody would like to make it. You basically want to have enough gasoline, enough oil in your car to make it run right. Am I right? And okay. never get into trouble. And that's kind of the concept of biochemistry. Okay. We want to have enough methylfolate, methyl B12. We want to have enough neurotransmitters produced. We want to have healthy immune cells. We want everything to work right, right? Okay. The problem is, biomedically, and many of these people who see me, they get into trouble with not creating enough methylfolate, enough health in their immune system to keep the stability of both the bowel and also the nervous system intact. Okay, so the immune system is basically the correlation between the two. Right, because the immune system supports the nervous system, but the immune system also supports the bowel. Right, so everybody wants to talk about all these in isolation. God built a well-oiled machine. Yep. And it's designed like to work together. It's just the way it is. Now, what's really cool about the gut is that good bacteria produce beta-glucans and that was specific sugars. And we now know the bowel produces specific sugars to attract good bacteria. And some people produce them and some people don't. And so there's a whole lot of other interesting um, biochemical messaging Mm -hmm. types of processes going on, meaning the bowel actually contributes a lot more to the gut than what we thought. We thought basically the gut was a conduit and whatever happened in the bowel kind of just transformed through it and we sucked out nutrients. It turns out it's a much more complex system. Okay. Because, you know, the second part of the show, we're going to get into treatments sure. and suggestions for nutraceuticals and things. But I do have one question that was very came, – came out in a lot of articles. GI conditions can be seen as mental illness of the gut. Oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> they said 95 – I was incorrect. They said 95% of serotonin can be found in the gut. Now, I mean, these are on, you know, good websites, That's some WebMDs. And- That's oversimplifying. The, the, you know, mental illness in, in the brain or the gut is about imbalance. It's not about insufficiency in one or the other. But, it's about the balance of all the neurotransmitters. But do you find in people with depression and anxiety and some of those kind of you know, conditions people have with, bowel issues? Well, sure they do because they've got problems that have led to the – instead of – you know, we're we're talking about the same thing. You're just talking about it a different way. Yeah, those because are, I'm not a doctor. Well, those are bowel people talking about brain things that they don't really understand. Okay. Do you understand? Yeah. Whereas if you're a biochemist or a molecular biologist, you step back and say, how are these two systems related? Correlated. Yeah. How do we correlate them and what's missing in both? Okay. Am All I right. making sense? So don't. No, you're making get, sense. I guess I was just trying to get to the point. If you had, you know, if you were suffering from one of these neuroimmune syndromes, do you pretty much most likely have a bowel issue no not necessarily i'd say it's about 30 percent. really yeah okay it's not it's not now, with autism that's a little bit different but we're not talking no, about autism's 30 percent. really mm-hmm. okay now some people say higher but in my practice with my experience with several thousand of those patients it's right about 30 percent. okay and yeah. so you don't always um i mean i guess we're going to get into the second part of the show too i want to know what kind of testing you do so that we know that the bowel is you know is hurting you know because i've heard you say right. sometimes bowel irritation can be like a sunburn on your skin that really hurts bad but it's inside your stomach well, and i've had here's that what before. you think inflammation in the body in general releases specific chemicals mm-hmm. we call them interleukins or cytokines that change the way that cells perform and work and it makes people feel bad when they're sick now the gut is no different than being sick or having an infection in other places okay but the whole idea is that we have to understand that the body works as a whole mechanism and not just separately now i'm not trying to belittle these researchers in any stretch of the imagination it's just sometimes perspective 
Mm-hmm. If you get lost in a specific perspective, you don't really get the big picture. Well, and that's why you're so good at what you do, because you look at the body as a whole. Well, you have to, because what's happening is I have to do that because of my background. Okay. So what I'm interested in is what do I need to put back into you, or what do we need to replenish? And that's why genetics are so powerful. All right. Know. And once we put that the back proof in, in the pudding. then we should get improvement in both the nervous system and the gut. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to talk about treatment and we're going to talk about nutraceuticals that might help with some of the conditions that we talked about. And we'll be right back with Coffee with Dr. Stewart. All right. And we are back with part two of Coffee with Dr. Stewart, episode three, season two. I am Kara. This is Kendall, Dr. Stewart. Sorry, Dr. Stewart. That's okay. <laughs> He's my brother. I even used to call Actually, him Kendall. Actually, I answer to anything. <laughs> hey, hey, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we are back talking about the gut-brain connection. Dr. Stewart gave us some very unique insight because, you know, a lot of people use you um, a lot of times think of them in isolation that the, the brain works one way, the gut works one way, but Dr. Stewart's kind of correlated it for us that a lot of it has to do with, you know, the immune system being healthy to support both and they have to be both in balance to work correctly. Right, Dr. Stewart? That's the best way that I believe you can approach it. It makes total sense. I mean, this, this literature that I was looking through before every show, I looked through everything. It was very confusing because you have so many different concepts on it. Well, you know, you got to always remember that everybody who looks into these things you know, specialized. They're specialized, but they also look at it from their perspective. Yeah, like the what psychologist, I've tried, look at the mm-hmm. the brain, and then the What I've tried to do is take all that perspective out and just get back to the source. If we get back to the source, we're going to find out that God doesn't use one thing for one thing. He yep. uses one thing for thousands of I'm going to get you a t-shirt that says that. Because <laughs> that's, that's a good saying. Well, it's just get the way he is. You know, he's efficient. Well, let's talk about, you know, you talked about that you are an immune specialist. You talk about the immune system and how that keeps the nervous system, the gut, the brain, the bowel, mm-hmm. everything healthy. Sure. Um, we're getting around to cold and flu season. So your gut, they say, is like your best friend during that time. Well, yeah, the answer is, I mean, obviously, if you feed your body good food and less inflammatory food, I always talk about for people who have gut issues to consider a low inflammatory diet. Now, okay. there's all kinds of diets out there. And in fact, yes, it'll make you are. sick thinking about them. But basically, what I typically tell people is that we want to focus on the foods that are the least inflammatory potential, meaning the highest quality, the most natural base. So I call I call a low inflammatory diet. My typical diet is, of course, all the meats, fruits, and vegetables that agree with you, and we want them raw or less processed. Is that processed. kind of a paleo diet? Yeah, kind of a paleo. I call it a paleo plus. Okay. Typically, in this situation, rice is probably the best grain. Uh, quinoa is actually a seed. I love quinoa. Yeah. It's actually a seed more than a grain, but certainly the rice is probably the least inflammatory for most people. Okay. Uh, corn can be more inflammatory than most people think. Yeah, certainly, they have their tops. Corn, soy. Gluten, some of the top. gluten is certainly a problem. The biggest problem with gluten, we also mix it with yeast. And uh-huh. anytime we have an over overdose of yeast, we're going to get into some trouble. Okay, then, well, then that leads me to my one question, though. How do you know? Because gluten-free is like, oh, you got to go gluten-free to get rid of the bowel issues. 
that may be true, but how do you know, how do you test to see if they have gluten sen- uh, sensitivity or intolerance? Well, so there's two different things. There's gluten sensitivity, there's gluten intolerance, and then there's actually celiac disease. Yeah. Now, celiac, it turns out that we can actually test the markers that give us the genetic potential to develop an extreme response to gluten we know as celiac. And what kind of test is that? Uh, it's actually a specific genetic, a couple of different SNPs, and we'd have to show it to you. There's no sense in me just telling you about okay. it. But if you look at a correlation for it, you can see it. If you now, have a mutation. Now, the problem is if you have a lot of inflammation in your gut, all, all foods are foreign. Okay. okay. They're not us. Okay. So one reason we seal our bowels so much and why they talk about the leaky gut is that if you create a lot of inflammation in the bowel and these proteins from the food leak in, essentially get exposed to the immune system, you will develop a sensitivity to mm-hmm. that foreign food. And so certainly people with more inflammation of the bowel develop more food sensitivities. And those can come in two forms. One's an IgE, which is an immediate response. Like I pop a peanut in my mouth and my lips swell up and I can't breathe. That's an IgE response. Okay. That means a trip to the hospital. Yeah. The more common, though, is what we call IgG or delayed food sensitivity. And that involves a response that's usually two to twelve hours after. That would be me after kiwi. My lips blow up the size of like a balloon. Well, that's an IgE. But the IgG (laughs) comes. Wonderful Thanksgiving. The IgG comes two to twelve hours after you eat the food. So good luck. We eat such complex foods these days. You're not going to be able to figure it out. So you may already you have lunch, and then you may already have dinner, and then all of a sudden you have something from lunch that has that delayed, and your stomach hurts. Correct. And you think it may be from dinner. Correct. So the whole idea is, you know, there are tests to actually check IgG that are pretty easily. Yeah, to you obtain. do the what, ALA test? I do the ALA test. You know, there's all kinds. There's ALCAT and all those. They're all basically the same type of test. What they typically do is steer you in the right direction to the foods that are least uh, inflammatory for you. Okay. okay. Now, what I will tell you, you have to be a little cautious in reading those tests because sometimes you'll find out that other things are involved. But basically, if you can eat a fairly clean, low inflammatory diet, your gut's going to be a happier thing. So what okay. would you recommend for people that maybe, you know, of course, you're 10 months out as usual and um, going and seeing their, their physician and getting that ALA test or some kind of food sensitivity test? Yeah, the answer is, you know, if you feel like you need it and you can tell that foods affect you and you want to know the details, you know, they come in very specific forms like a zero, one, two, and three, basically mm-hmm. telling you how sensitive you are. Typically, a one response is a minor response. You can actually eat that occasionally and not get into trouble. Okay. Twos and threes, you know, you just don't want to mess with them. A three, definitely. Well, you don't want to mess with them. There's there's actually people that can be allergic to almost everything. Now, that means there's an immune system problem. Okay. You're not supposed to be allergic. Yeah, to and you always, I, you always tell me that some patients come in, you do the Allo test. You don't do it right in the beginning anymore because they'd be allergic to everything. Actually, I got tired of moms crying in the office. My baby can't what eat can anything. I, what can I feed my baby? And it just created panic. So typically what I do in my office is I hold that for a good 12 weeks. I wound up methylating. I wound up working on the immune system, giving the system a little time to calm down the general inflammation. Okay. And then go in and look for the real allergens. And maybe they're only allergic to just five or six things? Or? Well, you know, it just depends on the kid. Sometimes there's 20. Sometimes there's two or three. Sometimes it's a lot less than you thought. Now, you got to remember that we are in an age of highly processed foods. Yes, yes. And I always tell my patients that a, a good concept is to understand that our market the way we do it for foods is we we take quantity over quality Mm -hmm. so if i'm a farmer for corn and i look out in the middle of my field and there's a two uh stock that's two foot taller and it's growing twice as much corn i grab that i run to texas a&m it's called steroids well no no. (laughs) i grab it i run to texas a&m and i say make me a whole field of this Uh right 
Well, the problem is, what do we call cells that are growing twice as fast in the body? Uh, you got me. Cancer. Oh, okay. Okay. So even in hybridization, not mm-hmm. even GMO'd, but, but GMOs are basically looking at hybridized forms and finding out what the best traits are. Yeah. Uh, you are looking at a bunch of cancerous type crops oh, they're wow, because they're based on quantity. Modified. And yeah. if we look at cancer cells and the quality of proteins and things in the cancer cells, it's really not very high in nutritional value. And I mean, when you look at cancer diets, I mean, they have them on the basics, right? I mean, Correct. they're very no sugars, no refined sugars. Well, the answer is you're asking, you're not asking, you don't want the immune system to work too hard. You want it to pay attention to the cancer situation. So the long and the short of it for gut health, what you need is there are many people, there's actually a, a mutation that's become very well known. It's called an FUT2. Oh, okay, the FUT2. Yeah, and FUT2 basically is a fucosylation um, marker. Fucosyl sugars are special sugars that our bowel sends into the bowel or secretes into the bowel to attract good bacteria. And we know many people are non-secretors or poor secretors. Oh, okay. And so basically I tell my patients, if I don't have any corn in my deer feeder, how many deer come? None. The answer is none. So in that situation... You are from Texas, I that's for a, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so what will happen... My corn feeder. My corn feeder. <laughs> What will happen is that we have essentially a setup then for bad bacteria and dysbiosis to set up. Okay. Do you understand? Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of people say, well, don't eat any sugar and don't feed the yeast and all that. You have to have sugars and carbohydrates. You just want to eat natural, high-quality sugars. You want to eat natural, high-quality carbohydrates. You're not going to starve the yeast away. It just doesn't work, even though those are – they're talking about refined sugar and processed foods but and all those have things. Some type of natural but if you sugars. eat what grandma ate out of her garden, you are going to be fine. Yeah, and the obesity rate was a lot lower back then, which is interesting. If too. you eat, Diabetes, so we went to that. our grandmother's house and whatever garden. was growing in the garden that night. Plus, it was of delicious. course, she also had chicken fried venison <laughs> and steak and some gravy and some biscuits. Yeah. But the whole idea is if you eat what grandma ate out of the garden or you go to Whole Foods or any of the good grocery stores these days and you buy quality produce, you're going to be better off. Okay, well, then let's get to the, the protocols. So you've got the test, the blood work. You maybe know what you're um, you're allergic to or what you have an inflammatory response to. Here's what people, we get the calls all the time. I have a budget. If I had to start something what would dr stewart recommend a probiotic the immune restore for the beta glucans i mean what where would they start if they're if they know they have some bowel irritation well you always have to start with a probiotic because beta glucans why well beta glucans are made by good bacteria okay so beta glucans are special sugars that help the immune system calm down and work right but beta glucans aren't a probiotic no but beta they are a sugar beta glucan glucan means glucose like Okay. So basically, they're beta glucose-like molecules. So you're talking about the the ingredient, the main ingredients in the immune restore. So what happened is the pr- biggest problem we have is I put a probiotic in, I grow a good bacteria, and then I go down to the to the the um, local restaurant and I drink chlorinated water. Ah, uh, you've talked about that, yeah. Okay. So I just killed all my probiotics, my good bacteria, and I've got a problem. So what happened is in people who needed a lot of help, but I couldn't get good bacteria to grow in their gut very well and we now know there are genetic foundations for that then we had to use the beta glucans in higher doses to try to get the immune system to calm down okay so i just put the sugars in now what i'm going to tell you though is it's always best to have a good probiotic foundation yeah and what do you consider a good probiotic i mean it's everywhere multiple strains just remember that people are always out to take your money yeah okay so when they 
when they start telling you that theirs is way better and what you really want is a broad spectrum of lots of high quality probiotics and remember bacteria divide very rapidly yeah so if you put in 2 billion 15 minutes later it's 4 billion 15 minutes after that it's 8 billion 15 minutes after that it's 16 billion do you understand yeah. the concept i mean they so, recommend around 10 billion which is what we have well the answer is that the only reason that we do that is because that's a good number but i'm telling you the number doesn't matter as much as what's in it okay the strains always remember that a large variety of strains look at nature if i go out and i scoop up some soil i'm going to find 50 bacteria that are different in that soil okay so in the gut we're supposed to have a lot of different good bacteria not just one okay so look for multiple strains correct okay and then real quick on enzymes So enzymes are really funny because they relate to methylation. They relate to tearing things down. We're learning that there are genetics involved. Um, um, It's always easier to process foods that are broken down more. Okay. So if your body has trouble breaking down foods and the gut transit is too fast because of the irritation, you want to use enzymes to not only break the food down into easier manageable pieces. Mm Mm-hmm. But you're also wanting to provide the gut with a more manageable ability to absorb. Okay, so the enzymes break it down without so much work for the gut. Correct. Okay. All right. Well, gosh, we didn't get to everything again. I, I can't Always stand happens. that. But that's okay. That means more uh, stuff for the next shows. Um, we look forward to seeing you next week, everybody. We thank you for joining us on this gorgeous Sunday. It's finally cooler here in Austin, Texas. And we are out on Coffee with Dr. Stewart. Have a blessed and beautiful Sunday. Bye-bye. This show is intended for general information and entertainment purposes only. Dr. Stewart serves as the chief science officer and lead formulator for neurobiologics and advises you to consult with your own medical professional on any information given during this programming. This information is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any disease or medical condition. 